And now, our feature presentation, Imitating Art, with Don and Chuck. All right, welcome to Imitating Art. I'm Don. I'm Chuck. And at Imitating Art, we like to watch and dissect movies and see what kind of life lessons they have to uh, add to our own lives. Um, today, we're going to be talking about Shang-Chi. <laughs> I think that's the correct way to say it. I believe so. And uh, yeah, one of the, the newest and I believe best grossing Marvel movies in a while. Um, <clears throat> maybe it's just because there's been a pandemic for two years, but uh, it's been doing pretty well at the box office from what I've heard. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it the opening weekend, which was what, Labor Day weekend, it made like $93 million, which doesn't sound like a lot, but the previous record for Labor Day weekend was something like... 30 million this starts phase four of of marvel of marvel's uh universe uh so that the the first movie in phase four was black widow uh, okay well yeah so yeah the end of the last phase was spider-man uh, this is believe it or not the next movie since then and uh yeah i, I mean the the tv shows are in phase four as well Oh, okay, yeah, I, I have a hard time keeping track of the phases, but yeah, that's that's true. I guess it's the it's it's the it's the big bigger phase after Endgame, and like the re the rebranding of the, of what Marvel will be going forward. Um, it's one of the one of the biggest things that's happened since Endgame, more or less. Uh, I know Black Widow was a big thing, but I feel like this had a bigger impact on the Marvel universe than Black Widow, since it was a since Black Widow was a re. Uh, um, what do you what do you call it? Like it was it was in the middle of the timeline of the original Avengers movies. Yeah, I've I've heard movies like that referred to as like a midquel, but I, I think a prequel is fine. Yeah, more it's a prequel. To, it's a prequel to what we've already seen. So yeah, well, um, clearly it's definitely before Endgame. In any case, this one this one definitely has a lot more elements of what's what's seems to be going on in the in the the next phase of the Marvel universe with. Uh, like the time, the universe travel and the time travel kind of stuff with uh, Doctor Strange. Um, and it seems like they're leaning more on that kind of thing uh, going forward than like the Avengers kind of team building that they had before. Um, but I don't know. I haven't read much about like Marvel's future plans. I just look at the movies and I am excited to see more of them. Yeah. Well, I mean, they don't have any big team up movies like the Avengers planned. I'm sure that they're going right. to like share characters. Sure, there'll be but, some um, crossovers. The end credits, well, one of the end credit scenes of this was about, you know, them bringing Shang-Chi uh, into the fold. Right. Uh, so, I mean, they're, I'm sure they're going to be setting up like a new team. Sure. That, he's a... that, that isn't just the Avengers. Right, he's like he's a de facto Avenger at the end of the movie. If you you know, if if you read the post credit scene that way, oh, for sure. But we could talk about the movie itself. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, so I, I like I like what they that they've kind of taken something like a traditional um, Asian story um, and kind of made it into a superhero kind of thing. Um, where there's the legend of the Ten Rings, and Sean's father had taken control of them, and he'd—I I guess he'd been alive for like a thousand years or something like that. And yeah, because of the rings. Because of the rings, yeah. But I mean, that's what I mean. He's been around for a thousand years, and he was basically a conqueror. And he got—you know—he found his way into this like hidden 
village where he met Sean's mother and she was like the first person that could actually match up to him and, you know, could actually fight back against him. And then, you know, they fell in love, had a kid. The the basically he was obsessed with power and he couldn't let the rings go and but he and then he did let the rings go for the mother and then he she she was killed when he didn't have the rings on him, is that right? Yeah. So yeah, uh, Sean uh, is living this sort of almost losery life in, in San Francisco uh, as, uh, uh, what do you call him? Not a chauffeur. He parks cars. Valet. He, he and his best friend Katie, who are both uh, Chinese, are valets and kind of are happy with the life they have, or at least telling themselves they're happy with the life they have. Uh, but then, as Don said, uh, he gets they get attacked on a bus by all these crazy dudes who want his, like, the amulet that he wears, uh, and they manage to get it from him, and he realizes that they probably want his his sister's amulet as well, she has a matching one, and that they're probably uh, working for his dad, who, the Ten Rings, not just the rings he wears, it's also, like, his uh, almost, like, terrorist organization that that he runs. So he has to go find his sister, but they don't really get along because uh, he left her for America when they were both very little and never came back for her. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, they're brother and sister and she ends up almost begrudgingly helping him. They encounter their dad who uses their amulets to find, like, the cool maze path through a living forest uh, right. to get to Talo. And he basically wants to get there and is probably going to end up destroying Talo because he thinks uh, their mom's spirit is living there somewhere. Uh, So they decide together to go there and prevent him from doing it. You also get uh, Sean's great backstory of, yeah, yeah, his mom died when his dad wasn't wearing the Ten Rings. So his dad put, put on the Ten Rings again because they give him, like, immense power to get revenge one of the people that killed uh, his wife, and he trains his son Shang Chi to be an assassin and kill the person that killed his mom. Uh, which Shang Chi does, and it's basically haunting him his entire life. He's actually in denial of it; he doesn't admit it until late into the movie. And so, yeah, it's a it's this story about this family all basically coming to terms with grief. And the different ways that all three of them uh, work through it. And eventually they either come together to help each other through it or they don't. Uh, yeah. It started with the the line, uh, the legend grows with each telling of the Ten Rings. So I like their acknowledgement of that this all seems like a little over the top. We don't know how how real it actually is. Right. Um, so that, that was a fun little, little caveat in the beginning that you're like, well, maybe take this legend with a grain of salt. Yeah. Uh, another thing I liked about, especially the beginning, but throughout the movie, I, like I, I think I've mentioned before that I don't really like the way Disney kowtows to China as, as a government, mm-hmm. but the fact that it's like a good 10 minutes into the movie before there's a line in English because it starts all in Chinese with subtitles. Yeah. And then throughout the movie, the Chinese characters end up just like reverting back to their n- native tongue mm-hmm. when they're talking to each other. And it all like, it 
just feels natural because it yeah. makes sense that people from China are speaking Chinese. Like it doesn't feel forced. Yeah. It just, it works. I appreciate that they do that instead of making all of the people from other countries speak English like they often would in other movies. Yeah. Especially even in earlier Marvel movies, they, they would do that. But now they're sort of branching out and it, this movie isn't really experimental as far as Marvel movies go. At least Star Trek had the, had the like, well, we're, you know, we're going to handle this right from the beginning. We can talk to all aliens because we have this dialect translator thing that we're always wearing that translates the language from, to us, to them, etc. <laughs> right. <clears throat> I mean, in a movie like that or a story like that, you, you kind of need that device or else it's right. like, why does it every, wouldn't make any sense. Yeah. Why can you com- communicate with every single alien? You can, anyway. Right. But I do appreciate, especially with like the uh, expansion of uh, foreign language movies actually getting some good uh, base here in the U.S., like Parasite winning Best Picture and, and Minari being up there and everything. And I, I appreciate them not, you know, insulting the intelligence of the audience by expecting them not to be able to read some subtitles. Yeah. And, you know, oddly enough, Netflix is really helping with that because Netflix has so many mm-hmm. movies and TV shows from other countries that a large fraction of Netflix watchers have, I, I can't remember the exact number, but they did announce that like within the past year, a, a large fraction of, of users have watched something with subtitles uh, as like yeah. the primary language. That's great. Within the past year. Yeah. Because Good stories is good stories. What can I say? <laughs> right. You can say that. Um, so when when the father, the Mandarin, was he in the Mandarin? Yeah. So apparently... Uh, I know was, they had that, that that conversation, but I didn't know if that's what they were calling him in this. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't... Well, because they just call him by his name in this. Uh, but in... I didn't realize that his dad was supposed to be the real Mandarin. I just thought he was pissed off that they got an Englishman to play a Chinese character named the Mandarin. <laughs> I didn't realize it was supposed to be, I mean, I realized that, yeah, the Mandarin was supposed to be in charge of the Ten Rings in Iron yeah. Man 3, but uh, yeah, I, I didn't make the connection that Shang-Chi's dad was the real Mandarin. Right. In any case, when he came upon the, uh, the, the village in the first place, like, he was on the on his quest to basically conquer all the lands uh because that was just what he was doing he was a conqueror and he he got there and i i I didn't really get why his first instinct was to fight this woman other other than the fact that he just wanted to conquer the village and that was (laughs) and she was the protector of the village i guess that was what it was yeah i mean he's been around for a thousand years where he's used (laughs) violence to essentially get his way so i i I think by by year like 900 at least uh if you've been being violent the entire time, yeah. it kind of becomes your nature. And then in, when she fights back, it just turns into foreplay, apparently. Yeah, I I mean, I thought that was uh, really cool and cute and, and yeah. well done. Yeah, it's like, hey, this mass murder is cute. Anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like in second grade when you like try to hit the person you have a crush on because you don't know how to do it. You don't know how to flirt. Hmm. I don't think this guy knows how to flirt. Some people, uh, some people don't grow out of that, unfortunately. Um, it's true. The Asian Jeff Gordon line cracked me up. Uh, 
the whole the whole beginning it Sean and Katie kind of reminded me of the two guys from Ferris Bueller's Day Off who work at the garage and steal the Ferrari for a joyride mm -hmm. since that's what Katie wanted to do yeah. with whatever that car was uh, I couldn't help I but know. think of that Lamborghini yeah um, but once I think uh, just a few minutes later when they get on the bus that might actually be my favorite sequence of the whole movie is the bus fight scene oh yeah oh the bus the bus fight scene was amazing it felt very comic booky like it reminded me a lot of a spider-man movie um in certain ways i mean just sure. with, with the way the fighting uh choreography was going and the way that the bus is like split in two and it, it felt very much like a spider-man movie it also felt a little bit like the rock because they were <laughs> barreling down streets of San Francisco. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but yeah, no, that was definitely the best. That bus had some good handling. <laughs> that, it did. That, was, that, that bus was cornering at 70 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah. It reminded me a little bit of Speed, too. Um, yeah, I never saw Speed 2. <laughs> no, kidding. I have seen Speed 2, of course. I have not seen Speed 2. <laughs> I've only seen the first Speed. Um, uh, yeah, but... it's, a, it's a requirement to see Speed 2 if you work on a cruise ship. <laughs> oh, Okay. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the, the, the fight on the, the bus, uh, it was just a great big, I mean, it's great action sequence, it was a great fight scene, but it's just, I think we talked about during, when we talked about Nobody, the Bob Odenkirk movie, mm -hmm. I think we talked about, because there's a fight scene on a bus in that movie as well, and I'm pretty sure then we talked about how, like, putting a fight scene into this, like, small, confined space just makes it feel more dangerous, more violent. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it add, you add the element of the bus moving in the first place, but like the, the bus potentially crashing, but also you are moving side to side and, you know, there's obstacles in the way. Yeah. Yeah. Like this movie goes a lot further with it by, yeah, having the, uh, the fight act like Razor Fist accidentally cuts the brake lines when he's trying to attack Shang-Chi so they can't stop. I mean, the fact that the bus is moving in the first place, like you said, it, in Nobody was stationary, and all of the innocent people who can't just get off the bus, and Shang-Chi's, like, right. trying to, uh, like, handle all of this at once. And so, like, you know, the stakes keep kind of going up, and the fighting was, it was just cool. Like, it was just really well choreographed. I think every bus fight sequence I've ever seen also uses the ding. People kept ringing the bell. <laughs> I think they always use that in some way. And they used it to good effect in this one. They did. It was a really like fun and funny way to end the fight scene. And it, it was one of those sequences where as I was watching it, I was like, you know what? There's obviously plenty of CG work going on here. But I don't care because it's just fun. And it's oh, yeah. like the CGI is not taking me out of it. There are scenes in some Marvel movies where the CGI just isn't adding anything to it. And it's too much. And I'm just like, ah, oh, whatever. There were some scenes in this movie that did that for me. Um, but not that one. That one was great. <laughs> uh, but there were, I, do, there, I do appreciate the amount of comic relief in this movie. Because the serious scenes are very serious like serious tone wise. And so I appreciate that a lot of like you have, have Katie especially for great comic relief. Right. Um, yeah. She was starting good. with, I'm the Asian Jeff Gordon and wanting to drive the car. And like, you have a lot of really good, like fun comic book moments. Yeah. Katie was, uh, really great. And I'm glad that they didn't like turn that into a romantic. Oh, me too. Relationship, which like her grandmom 
was like, when are you two getting married? And he's just like, we're just friends. And I was like, are they setting it up to become a romantic relationship? And I'm glad that they didn't go that route because it didn't need it. Yeah, no, not at all. And she's also the one who sang the song for the art of confusion, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That 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 was a great little setup because even though they set it up, I wasn't expecting it to happen. Uh yep. Hotel, Hotel California. Yes. <laughs> I couldn't remember what song. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that was great. Yeah, when they get to that other big fight scene and she encounters the one of the villains and she just starts singing it. Uh, I thought so, that was really um, funny. So be- before we get on the airplane, I wanted to mention as they were they were going into one of the buildings Somewhere in the city, I can't remember where they were going, but there was a poster on the wall that said, call now if you have post-blip anxiety. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, they're li- you're living in a world where, they even say it, they're like, we live in a world where half of the world's population can disappear in a second, you know, in a second. So yeah. what are you going to do with your life? <laughs> so I like that they added those little things in the background. Like, yeah, there would be like anxiety hotlines and websites and apps. Yeah. A lot of therapy after after the snap. It's true. Uh, and I'm glad... I didn't even notice that poster, but at the like by the end of the movie, I was like, do they like really need to acknowledge it? Like, like they don't need to acknowledge it in every... Like, overtly in every Marvel movie, like, from now on. Something like that, like a poster in the background is great. Uh, or just mentioning it, mentioning it very briefly. I'm glad that it's not like a whole scene of being like talking about the blip and who they knew, whatever. Or yeah. if like, I don't need to see the way it affected every character. No, so, I like the way they did it in this one, but I, but I, I, I do feel like it's almost like, like you can't, you can't go through something like that and have it not affect you. So seeing characters who are unaffected by the snap almost feels less real. Like I'd rather see some of it. It doesn't have to be a whole scene about it, but like, yeah, I like the acknowledgement of like, yeah, you got to like, I've decided I'm going to do something different with my life because like it could end in a second. Yeah. I mean, I understand. It, it's, it's like, uh, having a movie take place in like the year after nine 11, it's probably going to come up at least once, but it, it doesn't need. Yeah. But uh, so uh, as I kind of alluded to at the beginning, uh, when, when I introduced the movie, I like that they teach you how to say Shang-Chi on mm-hmm. when he's, when they're on the plane, because when he tell, when, when Sean tells Katie, my name's not really Sean, it's Sean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then she makes the joke about you change your name from Sean to Sean. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like that they did that like little scene to be like, this is how you say it. Cause I know all of you Americans are saying Shang-Chi. Mm-hmm. Um, Nicolas. Exactly what I wrote down. <laughs> no, no, Nicolas. Nicolas. <laughs> no, no, Nicolas. <laughs> I feel like I'm saying it. <laughs> yeah, so that was a great little scene as they were going. And I like that Katie, like, insisted on going. He he pushed back once, and then she said, no, I'm going. And he was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> Just let her come along. Um, yeah. Although once they, they got... Macau. Yeah, once they got where they were going, I was like, why did he let her come? To this. Yeah. I know she could have gotten on the plane, but he could have gotten away. <laughs> he could have he could have lost her, I'm sure. Yeah. Like this doesn't seem like a place where she should be. Yeah. So when they end up in that club, uh, I will say I really thought that that was the Hulk up there that was fighting. You were close. It was the abomination. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, is that the Hulk? <laughs> I was like, I thought uh 
I thought Bruce Banner was like halfway between Hulk and human at yeah. this point in the story. Just a just a character we haven't seen since the Hulk solo movie. Right. The second Which, one, right? Uh, you mean the second Marvel movie? No, the second Hulk. Well, character. I mean, the, the, only, the only one that's in the MCU. Right. <laughs> Although I do prefer Mark Ruffalo as, as Dr. Banner. Yeah, me too. But I feel like I, I've gotten used to him now with the rest of the characters. I don't know what I, I, I don't know why I prefer him, but I do. Yeah, uh, I mean, maybe it's because he never had his own solo movie. <laughs> possibly, although Edward Norton was always an odd choice, I think, for Doctor Bruce Banner. But yeah, you're right. I know we we just talked about the snap a little bit, but I I usually appreciate characters who call out like the craziness of what's going on. Like, you can't just see a guy fly through a window and just be like, oh, that's just happening. And I, I usually do appreciate the person that like takes our role of like, what would you do if you saw this actually happen? But they also, they live in a world where, you know, Thor exists and where the, uh, an alien snapped and destroyed, you know, took away half of humanity. So sometimes when they're like, I can't believe that you have powers, it feels a little bit like, oh, you really, can you really not believe it at this point? Yeah, it's more like, I can't believe you have powers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Sean, Sean did <laughs> a good job. can't believe your dad is a powerful, you know, a thousand yeah. year old warrior. Yeah, like... Sean did a good job of uh, being so unassuming that, like, that moment, again, in the bus fight, when she was like, does this guy look like he can fight? And then he just, like, whips everyone else. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess that's probably what it is. But that, I, I did have that thought of, like, at this point, you can probably assume that half of the population probably has a tangential relationship to some kind of superhero. <laughs> yeah. Being able to kick everyone's ass is not quite so tangential. Anyway, anyway, so yeah, they get the, once they get through all the um, the club scene and the fight, and he gets his ass kicked by his sister, and they reunite and go back to you know to the family. I like that they're you know he's given the uniform at one point, mm-hmm. and I like the uniform. The uniform reveal is like a, such a fun thing in superhero movies where it's like. Uh, Superman's mom made him the suit or whatever it happens to be right. like, or Tony Stark made a special suit for, for Spider-Man. And it was, it's just, it's just it's something I enjoy about superhero movies that is unrelated to the rest of the story. It's just like, I like the origin story of the suit. Yeah. And this one was just like a sweet one. It's like, yeah, your mom wanted you to have something. So I yeah. made this for you. Yeah, it was cute, and it was nice. It, it was just nice, and I uh, and it and it fits with the like the handing down of the story and like the culture from from the parents that like the the Asian stories are are telling. Mm-hmm. Before though, that they have the family reunion of sorts. Um, that fight on the scaffold uh, outside of the club, I thought was another just really well done fight sequence. Again, heavy CGI. And I didn't care so much uh, because I just wanted to see like the acrobatics of, of these people fighting on a scaffold, which was just really fun to watch. This is the part where I was taken out of it a little bit. I was like, all right, I get it's a big fight scene. All right, let's let's move it along here. Let's see what this see what the story does next. But and, and just so much of the CGI, I think I, it was very it was impressive and it was really cool. It was just, you know, I I wasn't 
I wasn't there for the for the big fight scene at that point. I was I was waiting for like the the later battles, not the mid mm-hmm. not the midpoint battles. <laughs> I, I was there for uh, the the midpoint battles at, at that at the point of the scaffolding. I was like, you know what? If all the fight scenes are this fun, then I don't care if they end up skimping on story because this <laughs> is. I mean. It's essentially a martial arts movie, so if they keep giving right. me that, I'll be fine with it. I was uh, thinking I was I was I was I was eager for the story to move along a little bit. Uh, I mean, the story ended up being fine, but I still oh yeah ended up caring more about uh, the fighting, especially in the second half when the martial arts kind of disappeared. Yeah, I loved the stuff in like once they all got together for the big battle. I, I really liked all the stuff in that in that scene, and I really liked that um, that Katie ended up being like the essential to defeating defeating the 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 bad guys. <laughs> Me too, but I mean, when they were so Katie sort of got a, a little bit of a chance to like basically try out a, a bow and arrow and. Within like a day, it seems like got pretty good at it at hitting the target. But then, when when the battle was getting ready to begin, like she went to go grab the bow, and the master or whatever his name was was like, uh, n- "No." And I was like, "You know what? Good. She's been doing this for a day. She's not ready. Yeah, like she she's not <laughs> battle ready. Definitely. But she had it within her all along. That's that's true." But still, in in real life, I'm like, this is not someone you want like on the front lines with you. Someone yeah. with a day of training. When it does uh, come down to the only other uh, real big like martial arts scene you get is towards uh, the end when Shang Chi and his dad finally battle it out, and I, I think it's a great example of it's like the same thing at the end of the Matrix, where you've had all these big action scenes that are big and fun and exciting. And then you end up boiling it down to just a fight between two people. And it's not necessarily a, the hugest action set piece, but it's like the most meaningful one because it's where the stakes are highest. And I'd, I'm not even sure they fought enough for me at, at the very end because it seemed like it was over fairly quickly. Yeah. But, uh, and they leaned a little heavily on the rings instead of the actual fighting. But I mean, it, it was a good little fight. Uh, and the the change with Shang-Chi's dad seemed like it came a little easy or he just kind of had this immediate sense of regret, which I guess is realistic as well. But yeah. Um, especially since a few scenes before one of the darkest scenes, uh, I remember being in a Marvel movie happens where Shang-Chi says he's going to kill his father and then separates himself from everyone because he's just trying to handle the weight of that decision. Yeah. Uh, that seems like one of the heavier things that's happened in uh, in a Marvel movie, I think. Yeah. I don't know. Logan had some pretty heavy stuff, but uh <laughs> MCU uh, movie. MCU, yeah. Um I really liked how they used the rings. Um like the the fighting aspect of the rings, I really liked how they were used and like that's the part where I'm like I don't this I don't care about, like the CGI stuff. I don't, I don't care that it's all CGI. Obviously, I know it is, and mm-hmm. it's just super fun. And I really like the way that they were able to use them in different ways. And it just—it's a fun thing that I think they'll be able to use going forward, like as a as a as a weapon. And I and, and they seem to they seem to be very versatile. And 
uh, I'm, I'm kind of excited to see what they do with them uh, in future movies. Yeah, especially since they seem to have some sort of corrupting power over the uh, wearer as well. The host, yeah. yeah. Oh, I don't want to say the other point where I didn't care if it was CGI was uh, when they first get to Talo and they are walking out and looking across what is this obviously computer-generated like wonderland, basically, like fantasy land with all these mm-hmm. different creatures and greenery but it was just so pretty that i was like you know what i don't i don't care if this is cgi it looks like a place worth protecting like it's like playing a video game sometimes in great open world video games like you just see like this beautiful area and i'm like you know what i know this is fake i'm just watching it on a tv yeah they they created it to look exactly like this it's not Mm -hmm. natural but it's still just pretty to look at yeah, I'd love to ride a horse through the fields of Hyrule. I mean, like mm. that, like Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, like all these amazing landscapes. Like we all we know that they're computer generated mostly, but yeah, they're they're beautifully beautifully designed. And yeah, it's a kind of there's something that I kind of put in kind of lessons, but it kind of fits in here. As I I I wrote that it, like Talo reminded me of Wakanda a little bit, and like having these ideal pristine places is like an important thing to know what we're protecting because we lose a lot of what the wor- the world really is with so much modern construction and having the ideal of a place like Talo or Wakanda that's still pristine can be uh, really helpful to have that, whether it's a legend or not. Yeah. And whether it's um, a movie or not, we see things like this and we can see what the world could be. That's true. Uh, if, if If more people watching the movies made that connection, that'd be great. Yeah, everybody needs to watch Fern Gully again. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's been a while. Yes, it has. Who said hiding only prolongs the pain? I don't. Was remember. that? Uh, I, I think that was somebody in the. That might have been their their aunt that said that. Uh, but she was trying to tell him to like come out and be, you know, face reality, be himself, and see what's going on. And she and she. I just wrote down the quote: "Hiding only prolongs the pain." Because I thought that was a good. That was a good motivating quote for for Shang Chi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, in in essence, the movie is all about not becoming someone else, but just discovering who you are. Yeah, and and the and the corrupting uh, power of power, <laughs> and yes, like having like oh, and it's, you're right. I didn't even really think about it, but the corrupting power of the rings. It might be interesting to see where that takes the the character of Shang Chi going forward. Yeah, especially since he's like so pure. He's like movie hero pure. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that'll be interesting. It's like Frodo with the One Ring. I think that w- that that's all that I have here, pretty much. I, but I do like that. I do like that final scene again that we get pulled back to San Francisco and into like a comic, like a comic relief finishing scene where they're having dinner with their friends and they get to make a little joke about him having a thousand year old powerful father and they fought with the rings and. Yeah. They re recap the whole big fight. Yeah. Uh I also liked uh the what should have been an obvious joke but I didn't see coming with the with the karaoke where they set it up earlier in the movie where like we could do the responsible thing or and then it just cuts to them doing karaoke and then they do it again and should have seen it coming and it it it's again it's it's one of those scenes that felt pretty fake especially with like the look Katie made as soon as Shang-Chi said or uh, like she made this fake surprised face, but it just 
added to the lighthearted humor of the entire situation and it <laughs> yeah. just worked for me. <laughs> yeah. Overall I liked it. And then I, I, the, and it ended with um what's what's the guy's name from uh from Doctor Strange? Wong. Yeah, I want to say Wong. Wong, he came through the the dimensional portal portal and was like, "We need you." Yeah. <laughs> Classic end of a superhero movie, pull him away and get ready for the next one. Yeah, it's like the end of Back to the Future. It's like the end of the Super Mario Brothers movie. Or get you or get ready for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the situation. We need your help. Yeah. on the sequel. Uh yeah, I don't think I have too much else about the movie. Nothing uh worth mentioning at least. Okay. Well, we already briefly mentioned the uh after credit sequence, but you know, it seems like uh his sister is kind of potentially going the bad way after the end, cre- end credits. Yep. Well, she did always want her own empire. Yeah. Now she yeah. was just handed one. She, yeah. She's going to be, she's in control of the 10 rings, the empire or whatever you call it. The, uh, group organization organization. Yeah. She's in charge of them now. So she'll be, uh, the big bad in the next one. I assume. I assume so. Or at least in one of the other Marvel movies. Yeah. Um, All right, yeah, let's take a quick little break, and we'll come back and talk about the many lessons of Shang-Chi. Okay. All right. Welcome back. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate it. You're the one who walked away, though. We never left. I feel like like all these like comic book Marvel movies tend to have some very overt lessons baked in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was trying to I was trying to look beyond some of them, but you know I, I think with with comic books there's always there's always like a lesson there intentionally. So I, I mean that we're starting from a point where you have written in lessons, and I I like I like what they do with a lot of them and there's a deeper deeper meaning behind a lot of them i mean if you look into like the spider-man character there's a lot of stuff you can a lot lot of places you can go with what happened to him with his past and you know the power and responsibility and everything and i feel like this movie had similar themes to that in some ways like about loss and grief and what you do with the power and whether you use it for good or evil and all that kind of stuff Mm mm-hmm yeah, and like Guardians of the Galaxy had a lot of <clears throat> similar themes about loss and grief, uh, and also about <clears throat> people coming together to sort of enrich each other's lives while while going through something like that. Um, There's a lot of father figures in Marvel movies as well. Yeah, uh, well, <laughs> that's because they mostly center on men, uh, lost emotional men who need guidance. You know, like Rob Gordon. <laughs> yes yes everyone's favorite superhero he, he could have Gordon. used the father figure <laughs> yes he didn't he he didn't live up to his potential or maybe maybe he did we didn't see the second movie it's good that we didn't they didn't make that <laughs> um is it better to burn out than fade away uh, <laughs> so i'll i'll tell you what i wrote down first the first thing i wrote was um you starting with the quote you have to see the light and the dark within yourself and expanding on that uh 
I, I wrote that we all we all have the power for great good and great evil, and we have the choice which way to use it. So basically, we can make that choice within ourselves. Are we are we going to use this whatever power we have, whether that be over one person or a nation or a family or or whatever? You know, you can use that in two different ways, and you could use it to exploit people, or you could use it to lift people up and whether that's just making somebody happy by saying something nice or tearing somebody down by saying something shitty to them, you have two sides of that coin that you can that you can do and every day you have to make the choice to use your power for good, whatever your power is. Because we all do have like light and dark within ourselves. We all we've all seen the worst parts of ourselves and the best parts. So it's just like striving to striving to pull the best parts of ourselves out as often as we can. Yeah. Well, the hardest part about that is recognizing the best parts. Uh, I think we, we, we all see the worst parts, and those are the glaringly obvious ones to us. Uh, yeah. Kind of like yeah. Shang-Chi. He <laughs> couldn't couldn't get over the killing the, the man in his past, and it was something he was trying to hide from, and the best of him was not coming out because of it. Yeah, and I mean, and you're you're right. But I think, and I, and that really speaks to like our psyches that we have such a hard time accepting the good things, you know. And I, and so, I think therapy or reflection is important for both sides of that to realize why you've done the bad things and why you've said something mean to somebody or something, you know, you've done something bad or knowing why you did that or figuring out where it comes from is important so you can steer away from that. But it's also important to dwell on your victories a little bit and say, I did a good thing. And, you know, look at, because if you're only looking at the negative parts of yourself, it's going to be a lot harder to realize that you can be anything more. (laughs) And, you know, and you can, you have to have something to aim for because if you don't aim for anything, you'll never hit anything. Yeah. I I wrote that down too. So I didn't mean to dovetail that with with this lesson, but it it makes sense. It works. Yeah, that 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 was Katie's lesson to learn. Yes, that's. <laughs> I, I, but I like that they tied it in with uh with the archery, that uh, you know she had never aimed at anything in her life, and that's why she was just a valet. Hmm. But the only way to hit the target is to aim at it. So, and she yeah. got really good at it. Yeah. In a hit day, that, hit that dragon right in the neck. <laughs> yeah. Do you, Do you know like how hard it is to a shoot an arrow, but then to shoot one that far to hit the dragon in the neck? I mean, I can imagine. She didn't have any practice shooting at moving targets, my man. <laughs> Maybe that's the thing. She was actually way off from where she was aiming, <laughs> but the dragon happened to fly into the path of the arrow. <laughs> she was as surprised as anybody. <laughs> Yeah, her surprise face when she hit it was awesome. I loved it. <laughs> yeah. But you're right about all the recognizing the good in you, dealing with the bad, and just sort of letting it be you, I guess. Recognizing all the parts, and because that's the only way to bring out the best parts. Yep. Speaking of sort of doing things for you and for yourself, I didn't write down Shang-Chi's sister's name. Started with an X. X. Yeah, so it was like Sheeling or something like that. She- yeah, I think it was Sheeling. She was resentful that she had been excluded from her dad's empire and decided to just 
start one of her own. And it was just the big fight club, but seemed pretty lucrative. You know, so I wrote, just because people say no doesn't mean you can't. The road might be a little tougher, but the rewards are still out there for you. And, yeah. I mean, the she's almost, uh, it's almost like a living well is the best revenge. She mm-hmm. was she was rejected by uh, her father. She was sort of unintentionally rejected by her brother uh, because he just couldn't. Again, he couldn't handle the darkness of his past, uh, and so she just kind of wanted to show them that she could. She didn't need any of them, and she didn't. Yeah, she didn't, and <laughs> we'll we'll see where that that concludes <laughs> going forward. Yeah. But I mean, even if she hadn't inherited the, the 10 rings organization, like she, she was doing uh, pretty well for herself. Yeah. She was essentially like a, she's like an inch away from organized crime in the first place. True. Um, I, I have kind of two that go together and I'm going to want to, one, it will be kind of a bridge from the last thing I was saying about, you know, taking the good and evil in yourself. Um, but as they, they've kind of mentioned with Shang-Chi and Katie, like, is there a point where you need to grow up and live up to your potential? Like, do you have an inherent potential in you that you're supposed to be living up to? Is, is there anything wrong with living as a valet? Um, if you're, if you're happy with what you're doing, but then if you, but if you do see something in yourself that you want to strive toward and you are staying where you are out of fear only, then yeah, you should kick off the you know the chains of fear and <laughs> reach for whatever you're you're going for. And to go along with that, I wrote that you don't have to be like your parents, but you can take the best parts of each of them, and you know that will become who you are to make your best self. So as as Shang Chi has good parts from his father, and a lot of good parts from his mother, but then there's some other some stuff that he could you know he could stand to. Uh, to look away from as far as something to to strive for. This movie deals with family and the, like the legend of your parents. And even though this is like a bigger legend than just your parents, I feel like there's always, (laughs) there's always a, there's always a bit, a bit of a legend when it comes to who your family was. Like you don't, you don't know your entire extended family, but you hear stories about them and, people try to keep people alive uh, in the memories just by saying, well, you never met your grandfather, but he was like this. He was a great man. He would always help people. And like they try to pass down these positive lessons from, you know, previous generations of the same family. And that's kind of like what the family line tends to be after death. So having that legend that grows with each telling uh, as they started this movie off is, you know, it's more than just the legend of the rings. It's about the legend of who your, who your family and who the, who the, the generational uh, past of, of your lineage has to deal with. And I think that that comes through with like the, the family dynamic uh, of Shang-Chi and his parents. Ooh, you just said Chang. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, <clears throat> to rewind just for a second, in, in the middle of all of that, you mentioned about how, uh, you know, Shang-Chi got, you know, a lot of qualities of both of his parents, some good, some bad, and he had to kind of decide what to do with that. 
mm-hmm. the way I wrote it, I just like the way I wrote it. Uh, it said, I put, uh, your past, your family, everything before, you can't control that, but it is the block of marble from which you get to carve the future. Uh, nice. Until you decide what to do with it, it's just a big mass of nothingness. Uh, because it's just all these qualities rolled up together, and uh, yeah, you get to decide, to decide which ones, you know, like that old uh, adage, little story about how oh, there's two wolves. One was angry and evil, and one was like happy and good. And which one wins? Oh, the one you feed. You, you get all these qualities, and you over time get the opportunity to hone them almost like a fighting skill to use them the best way that you can and i think you were mentioning something about that even earlier about being being your best or becoming your best version uh, which again uh, this movie is a lot about kind of realizing you're already there you just need to tweak some things Anyway. Yeah, to to build slightly on what you had said about uh, your your life being a block of marble, um, my my mind immediately went to like the visual of what that would look like, like carving out your life from an untouched block of marble. But I think interestingly, like life is life is both a subtractive art form and an additive one. So like you're carving something out, but you're also like picking up things and adding. So it's almost, it's a multimedia project at the end, you know, like you're carving out of marble, but you're adding on all these pieces that you pick up along the way. And I think like that marble is the base that you start with from your, from your family and from the teachings of your family. But then, you know, you get your own thing. So you become your own, like you become your own thing at the end. You don't, you don't just become, only carved from what your family is you get to be whatever you pick up along the way yeah i think they say it in the end of the tour but it's also the title of the book that the end of the tour is based on uh end of the tour of the movie about uh, uh david foster wallace but he and this is like an actual quote from him he says something about being worried about oh are you going to become your mom or are you going to become your dad and he says although of course you end up becoming yourself which is right. just like the, <laughs> along the way you become yourself yeah which is just yeah. the the best way of putting it it's, it's almost along the lines of life is what happens when you're busy making other plans amazing uh, that he can be so concise with uh such an idea considering the size of that book <laughs> yeah I, I only made it halfway through infinite jazz um uh but yes no matter what you do you you're going to be you 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 just the way you treat yourself and the way you act around others. That's, that's, that's the carving of the marble. Uh, Um, I also wrote the obvious life is short and fragile. Half the population can disappear in a second. So why do, why grow up getting a job you hate and spending your life that way? If you know, life can end at any moment, like you should be living your life the way you want to live it. And, the way that makes you happy. I agree. It's very astute. I didn't really write more, much more as far as the Talo and Wakanda comparison went, but I, I did really, really appreciate that they have these like hidden, pristine landscapes. And it's kind of sad in a way that they have to be hidden from the world because they know they will mine them for vibranium or, you know, they'll try to steal, they'll try to get the natural resources because the whole world is about 
you know, taking as much as you can, not existing with nature. It's about getting as much as you can. What, what can the planet do for you? Not how can we live with the planet? Yeah. I mean, you would think someone who's been around for a thousand years would start to realize, uh, see any uh, trends. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) How how detrimental humanity can be and how it might be a little bit better to form a sort of oneness with, with the world. Yeah. Uh, But blame it on the rings. He just wants his wife back. Save it for the sequel, Tom Jane. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Save it for the Punisher, Tom Jane. (laughs) So, uh, something else I put, uh, to go with, uh, I guess Shang-Chi himself, but especially his dad, because they were both hung up on, and I guess the sister too, was all, they were all sort of hung up on what happened in the past and start started to become worried about what that meant for what would happen to them as they continue on in life. I put that the past might be the world's most powerful drug, uh, perhaps second only to the future. <laughs> both have their draws but uh can you turn that into a novel what is, is, is that is that what your novel is going to be about next month <laughs> because uh, i love that line <laughs> no but yeah it, it it is a good line i was happy when i wrote it shang chi's dad is almost addicted to the to the past of his his wife who he lost and is similarly addicted to this idea of the future where he can bring her back uh which is just a, a weird and it's just a hallucination of his, essentially. It's almost like he's high and just hallucinating. I feel like every I, uh, that's a relatable feeling. Like I feel like we everybody kind of once has like this idea of the past or like this i you know idealized version of the past that they wish they could go back to, but they also don't want to get old and die. Like we want to live forever, but we want things to be how they were before. Like it's this weird dichotomy that lives within inside all of our minds that it's, it's hard. I think that really just speaks to, it's really hard to live in the moment. Yeah. If, if you think about it, the, the rings are what kept him from aging, but the time he wants to get back to is the time where he wanted to take the rings off and welcome, welcomed aging and sort of being human again and not having power, uh, because he felt whole and without his wife there was even his children couldn't fill that gap you know right i i have one more uh thing written down which is similar to some of the stuff i'd already said but i I said that you uh you don't need to live in someone else's shadow or within their expectations to live a good life you can reach your potential for yourself despite everyone else including yourself Almost usually, especially <laughs> despite yourself. <laughs> yeah. We, I mean, we, we've covered most of that, I think. I think that this movie definitely kind of illustrates the the battle within to find yourself and fight for your family and against your family and, you know, against your better instincts and against the fear within inside yourself, whether that's Shang-Chi not wanting to become his his father or... Katie being afraid of, you know, living up to her potential. Um, but it, it does, it does a good job. I, I, I liked the, the fight scenes, but I feel like the, 
I feel like that's where the story really shown for me was in the like in, in inner turmoil. I guess that's kind of represented in the big battle of the dragons at the very end, which I wasn't necessarily expecting the movie to end with. That's where I stopped caring a bit in in the climax. Like, you know, Shang-Chi and his dad already fought, but I guess you have to have this big monster thing too. But yeah, I, I guess metaphorically, because it's like the evil dragon and the good dragon, like the dragon that represents the the best parts of the family and, and Talo, and then like the evil dragon that they keep locked away that gets out, and now they're battling each other. And it, you know takes a village to to defeat that that evil dragon and, and let the best dragon prevail yeah if you don't protect it they'll take it yeah and then you know it kills half the village and most of your family you know and it's, yep. it's everyday stuff yeah you know typical mcu <laughs> that's true yeah, not quite as large scale as some of these uh, previous movies. That's true, too. I mean, <laughs> took place in a very small area, which is nice. Without lots of big buildings. <laughs> yeah, for once, to, the, <laughs> for once the death toll and the destruction might be a little bit less, depending well, on how you, how you uh, value certain things. Yeah, the destruction was less. I think the death toll per capita was probably quite large. That's true. Yeah, per capita. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's like if you set off a nuclear bomb in New Jersey versus Wyoming, you're definitely going to get a higher per capita <laughs> death rate in That's New true. Jersey. Can, can I just say for the record, I would care more if they set one off in New Jersey than if they did in Wyoming. Me too. Just uh, for multiple reasons. Yeah. Not just because of the innocence, you know, whatever. Yeah. As long as it's not near Yellowstone. Eh. <laughs> you want to trigger that, trigger that underground volcano. <laughs> uh, speaking of places and things uh, you care about, uh, one thing I did know also was it's funny how a, a movie like 127 Hours makes me feel like I never want to do anything like this ever get me away from those situations. But a movie like this and shows like Cobra Kai, I'm like, I want to learn martial arts. It just looks cool and it's fun. I feel like it's a very different thing. And martial arts is not a, like you don't have to be like getting hurt fighting people or anything. You can it can be a, a discipline. Yeah, I know. Uh, well, I mean, I mean you don't have to get hurt while uh, doing outdoorsy stuff either. Uh, no, I, but I mean, I, 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 I agree. Canyons. I agree that they're completely <laughs> different. But it, it's just the idea that the the way uh, watching it on a screen can influence the way you feel about it. Oh yeah. No, totally. So, yeah, if, if this movie made you feel like you like you really are excited about the idea of martial arts, now you know how I felt watching 127 Hours and really wanting to go <laughs> play in the slot canyons. Yes. Uh, you got anything else? I have nothing else. Cool. All right. Well, we'll wrap it up there. That was it, it was good. I, 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 I like this movie. <laughs> um, I didn't. I don't think I loved it as much as everyone else that I've that has seen it uh, that I know. Um, I've heard I heard glowing reviews. I really I, I did like it a lot, but it, it's not one that I really see myself returning to a lot unless I'm watching some movies that are building up to something else. Yeah, I I, I would like to rewatch the the bus and the scaffold fight scenes again for oh, sure. Oh yeah, 
Um, Some scenes I would like to watch again for sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I might return to this one before I return to like the Thor sequels. Uh, I, I did think it was better than Black... I mean, I like Black Widow too, but I thought this was probably better. I um, like this one better than Black Widow, yes. Yeah. I, I mean, it's it's certainly in the better half of Marvel movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think uh, the way I truly feel about it will uh, show itself over time, I think. Sure. But... Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't. I didn't love Ant Man the first time I watched it, and then I went back and watched it again. And I really liked it. <laughs> Ant Man's a good one. Again, not one of the best ones, but it's very that had to fun. do with expectations. <laughs> sure, but yeah, it's, it's solidly. I think somewhere in the middle, but highly enjoyable. I think it's a little. It's really hard coming down from like the crescendo of Endgame and like the such a build of so many amazing characters and just good good development and so many like emotions that came with that movie and spending the better part of, you know, a decade and a half of, uh, with these characters growing to this one thing that was just like crazy. And I think it's hard to think of like starting something else like that. And, but at the same time, we, we want something else like that. So it's like, we're looking at the past and looking toward the future. (laughs) It's hard to live in the Shang-Chi of it all. I, I just, yeah, I, I, I would love, I, I, I'd have a hard time imagining anything like that happening again in, on such a large scale. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they have to figure out what they're doing and, and how they're going to do it. And, uh, and I think the TV shows might be what does it for this next, uh, like iteration maybe is like being able to develop the characters a little bit more and we get to see a little bit more behind the scenes smaller stories and like side characters growing their their stories as well yeah and i think they're going to be able to experiment a little more with the tv since that's a new form they have like they've refined the way they do the movies uh over years of like trying new things and and now they're all kind of fairly similar which i don't mind but with yeah. the tv shows like that's something new for them and they get to try to figure out how they're doing that which is going to lead to them trying different and, and new things as well. Yeah, get to play with it and do different formats like WandaVision or What If. Yeah. Yeah. And like the Falcon and the Winter Soldier is the only one that feels like they just made a like a 6-hour Marvel movie. Marvel movie. <laughs> the others are like, you know, Loki is just a like a fun sort of time interdimensional travel show with this almost like yeah. mystery aspect to it and mystery aspect and very character based which yeah. i i liked yeah you get to like explore a lot of his character and the dynamic of his character so i like i like that a lot um but yeah thanks for sticking with us through this one that was a lot of fun to, to chat about i think we found some good lessons in there um, if you want to send us some recommendations for future movies we should watch, uh, we don't have a list long enough yet. So send us an email over at imitatingart1 at gmail.com or get us on social media at imitatingartpod. Yeah, and if you want to reach me individually, that's going to be Big F and Moose on all of the socials. Yep, and you can find me on Instagram at Don't Worry, I'm Finite, and uh, check out my other podcast on uh, any of your podcast apps. Uh, look for Don't Worry, I'm Finite, or go to anchor.fm slash Don't Worry, I'm Finite to find out where you can get that. Uh, thanks for sticking with us once more. It has been actual. Yeah, it's been real. See you next Tuesday. Tuesday.
Don and Chuck will return in Imitating Art with Don and Chuck.